Welcome to the I Am Persuaded podcast with Travis Shelton. Our desire is to provide weekly encouragement and biblical truths so that you too can be persuaded that He is able. Thanks for joining us on this episode. Now, let's hear what Pastor Travis has to say. Welcome to I Am Persuaded, and thank you so much for clicking on this episode and taking time out of your day to listen. And so what we've been doing on the podcast has been just journeying through the Psalms. We took a break at Christmas and studied just the Christmas story. But before that, we had looked at Psalm chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4. And so in today's episode, we're going to pick up at Psalm chapter 5. And what I've said before on the podcast is I just love the book of Psalms. David or the other psalmist, they just get real with God. They pour their heart out to God, their emotions out to God, their feelings out to God. And what they've understood is God is not scared of how we feel. God is not scared of what uh, we might think or what we might pray. And he wants to hear our prayer. and He wants us to pour our heart out to him. And so you see that all throughout the Psalms. David will pray some bold Psalms. The psalmist will write some bold statements. But yet, typically, you find them rejoicing after they've communed with God. And so we looked at Psalm chapter 4 the last time we studied in the Psalms, and David was at night, he could not sleep, he was fearful, he was fretting, but then by the end of the Psalm, David had fallen asleep because he was resting in God's promise to him. So we're going to pick up in Psalm chapter 5. It's a little bit more lengthy than Psalm chapter 4, but I think uh, reading the whole Psalm here in the beginning will give us great benefit. So if you're riding down the road, just listen as I read these 12 verses. If you're at home and you have a Bible open, you can flip and follow along through Psalm chapter 5. Verse number 1 says this, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and will look up. For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy. And in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness. Because of mine enemies, make thy way straight before my face. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. Destroy thou them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out of the multitude of their transgressions. For they have rebelled against thee. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee, for thou, Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor wilt thou compass him with a shield. And that concludes Psalm chapter 5. And so there's a lot here, but really I don't believe we'll take too much time on this podcast episode. The context is really the same as Psalm chapter 3 and 4. And so David, again, is running from Absalom. And so really many people believe that Psalms chapter 3, 4, 5, and 6, there's some little bit of debate about Psalm chapter 6, all share this same context where David has been exiled. David has been ran out of Israel. David has been exiled by his own son. His son has betrayed him. He's rallied an army together to run David off of his throne. Now David is fearful and running for his life, probably in the middle of a desert somewhere, hiding out in a cave possibly as they seek to take his life. And so it's in this context when David feels alone, when David feels betrayed, that he pins Psalms 3, 
4 and 5. And there's some debate over Psalm chapter 6. I would lean to believe Psalm chapter 6 is written under the same context of David running for his life. But nevertheless, you can feel David's heart as he's been betrayed. And you can kind of contrast Psalm chapter 4 and Psalm chapter 5 as David in Psalm chapter 4 was praying for his enemies to be saved. He was asking that his enemies see who he is and understand his righteousness and then come to know him as Savior. So he's calling for his enemy in Psalm chapter 4 to repent and turn to God and be saved. But then in Psalm chapter 5, we find David praying a very different prayer. Verse number 10 says, Destroy thou them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against thee. So do you see the contrast? David has prayed in Psalm 4 and really Psalm 3 for them to come to know him, for them to come to repentance and repent of their evil. Then in Psalm chapter 5, David's prayer shifts and he's saying, destroy the enemy, destroy those that are persecuting, destroy those that are be exiling me, destroy those who are chasing to take my life. And you might come to Psalm chapter 5 and say, how is that okay? Why is David praying that prayer, praying for someone to be destroyed in a sense. And there's a few psalms that are labeled imprecatory. These are psalms that are categorized. There's probably 20, 21 of these throughout the book of Psalms. And so these are psalms that are categorized by a prayer of destruction or a prayer for God to pull out his judgment upon those who are living wicked. And so you say, how can David pray that? How can these psalms be in the Bible? And verse 9 is the key. It says, for there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. And so just an overview of this type of psalm and why it's in our in our Bible and why David prayed this is because in Psalm 3 and 4, David has prayed for them to come to repentance. David has prayed for them to be saved. David has prayed for the persecution to stop. David has prayed for the uh, running him down and seeking his life to stop as one who's after God's own heart. And then he says in verse 9 of chapter 5, for there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. And so what David is saying is they've refused you, God. They've refused your offer of salvation. They've refused your offer of repentance. They've refused coming to you and acknowledging their sins and turning their face to you. Their inward part is continually wicked. And so what David is saying is, God, instead of me being the judge for my enemy, God, I'm asking you to be the judge as you are the righteous one. And so David is in um, understanding here that if they're not going to come to salvation, they're not going to come to repentance, rather, that God is going to be the judge that handles them. And so there's a few Psalms like that throughout the Bible, Psalm 69 being one of those. And so where someone prays for judgment upon those who are refusing to believe. So you'll see that as you read throughout the book of Psalms. However, Psalm 5 is a phenomenal, phenomenal chapter in our Bible. And it starts off with David giving us insight to how he handles his day-to-day activity. Psalm 3 is what's called a morning psalm. It was penned early in the morning as David was running for his life. Psalm 4 is an evening psalm. David could not sleep, so he wrote in Psalm 4, and God gave him rest by the end of the psalm. Psalm 5 is another morning psalm. David is penning this again in the morning as he begins his day. Psalm 6 is an evening psalm. Again, David says in Psalm 6 that all night he's been crying. His couch is wet with tears, and so he's, he's crying out to God in Psalm 6 at night. But what I find in Psalm chapter 5 is what 
a lot of us need to understand is how do we start our day right? You've probably said this to someone or had someone say this to you. They woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Or maybe someone asked you, did you wake up on the wrong side of the bed? And there is actually a lot of truth in that statement. How we start our day really sets the course for our day. So the one and the things that we give our attention to early in the morning really helps set the trajectory for our whole entire day. And David's going to give us just a little snippet of what his life is like early in the morning as he arises and he seeks God's face first. Listen to verse number one. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Psalm 1 called us, we we studied this weeks ago, Psalm 1 called us to meditate on God's word day and night. And so David is saying, give ear to my words or hear me out, God, or come close, God, hear my prayer, God. I'm seeking you, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Consider what I'm thinking on. Listen to what I'm about to say. Then he says, hearken unto my voice of my, under the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For unto thee will I pray. See what he's saying there? I'm calling out to you, God. I'm thinking on you, God, but you're my king and my God. So God, I'm looking to you. Hear my voice, hear my cry, hear my prayer, because unto you, you're the one I'm praying to. Then verse three, my voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. And so David understood something. David in verses 1, 2, and 3, he's crying out to God, but verse 3 gives us insight onto when he's crying out to God. Verse 4, chapter 4 rather, teaches us that David's crying out to God at night. Chapter 5 teaches us that first thing of the morning, before David gets his day going, he's looking up, he's praying to his king, he's praying to his God, he's communing with his God. And what a pattern that is for us. You see, David is in the midst of really a crisis, a family crisis, running for his life. But yet, he starts and ends his day with God. I think there's great wisdom in that. To start and to end our day with God. Because if we get off on the wrong foot, and there's a lot of things that come into our life on our day to day. If we fail to give God the first priority of the morning. Whatever comes in our day, we're not going to be meditating on the truth day and night because we didn't read the truth first thing of the morning. And so David understood that first thing of the morning, I'm going to direct my prayer to you, God. I'm going to look up and God, you're going to get the first part of my day. What an act. What a way to start the day. God, you get my first words You get my first thought. You get the first part of my eyes. You get the first part of my attention during the day. God, you alone are worthy. And a lot of us, we walk through our day-to-day life never giving consideration to God in the morning or at night. And David's giving us a pattern here that when we start and end our day with God, yeah, the circumstances that we're living in on the day-to-day, they might not change. But our perspective looking at the circumstance certainly can change. We saw that in Psalm chapter 4. You'll see that in Psalm chapter 6. And I believe it's here in Psalm chapter 5 as well. When when David takes time to spend alone and quiet time with God, his perspective on the whole entire situation around him begins to shift because he spent time with God first. 
then he can focus on what's going on in his outside life. But he must focus on God first. So let me ask you, have you noticed a difference in your day when you take time of the morning to spend time in his word and to spend time in prayer? Your circumstance might not be different, but God can change you and your perspective while you do that. I would encourage you to. Verse 4 says, For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. So here he's calling to God. He's in this same prayer from 1, 2, and 3. And he's pouring his heart out to God. He's communing with God. God, I know your character. God, I know who you are. And in light of who you are, you're not a God that takes pleasure in wickedness. So God, what these people are doing, what the enemy is doing toward me, God, you do not find pleasure in that. You won't let the evil dwell with you. Verse 5, the foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. There's truth in these verses. God hates sin. And someone that's overtaken by sin is in complete rebellion with God. And they are enemies with God, the New Testament says. And so when when someone is living in complete sin, refusing to repent, refusing to give their life to God, they're standing in opposition to God as God will one day be their righteous judge. I think David has a good picture of who God is. As you read through the Psalms and as David pours out his heart to God, he reflects a lot on the character of God. And so I believe David is understood as he knew what it's like to run from God and refuse to repent to God. Psalm 32, Psalm 51. David understands what it's like to be under the conviction of Almighty God. And so David knows that if you come to God and acknowledge your sin, Psalm 32, verse 5, he will forgive, he will cast your sins, he will not hold those sins against you any longer. So David understands that if you come to God, you experience his forgiveness, his loving kindness, his kingship, his his fatherly role that he can play in your life. But if you refuse to come to God, he hates sin. And so therefore, God's going to have to act as a judge in the future. So either you repent and learn to live in God's boundaries, loving him, serving him, or one day your knee will bow and your tongue will confess that he is Lord if you refuse to repent and give your life to him. Verse 6 says, Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The word leasing just means lying. And so we know God cannot tolerate a liar. The Satan is the father of lies, John 8, 44. And so he was the father of lies, a murderer from the beginning, and he is the originator of all lies. And so the Bible says, Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing or speak lies. The Lord will abhor or hate the bloody and deceitful man. Then verse 7, But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy, and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. And so David, throughout his life, he desired to build a great temple for God. You read 1 Chronicles 29. David gave around 225,000 pounds of gold and 500 and some thousand pounds of silver. Estimated in today's money, today's currency, that would be $5 billion that David gave to the building of this temple for God. And so David desired to, for God to have a place that was immaculate and that was amazing that they could go and worship him. But I believe what David's doing here is he's looking to the future. That one day, God, I'm going to worship and I'm going to enter into your temple. I'm going to enter into your house. He says, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy. I think David understands here 
that he will one day in the future step into glory, not because of what David has accomplished, but because of the mercy that God has extended toward him. In thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. So I believe at David's house, when he looked out of his back window in Israel, there was a mountain that David wanted to build that temple on. And God, you deserve praise. So, But God, until that temple is built, I'm looking forward to the day that I get to be with you forever. And I'm going to worship you in spirit and in truth. I'm going to worship you in this uh, awful situation that I'm living in. But God, you deserve my worship. And I think there's truth there for us. Even in our circumstances, even in our being betrayed, even in our heartache, we can still worship God. We can still seek God in the morning. And we can still worship him with our life. Verse 8, lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness. Because of mine enemies, make thy way straight before my face. I love verse 8. So David said, I'm being chased. I'm being exiled by my enemy. But God, I could take this into my own hands. I could handle this my own way. But God, here's my prayer. You lead me. God, I don't understand this. God, I don't see the end from the beginning. God, I don't see why I'm living in this circumstance that I'm in right now. But God, here's my prayer. Here's my heart. God, you lead me. Today, you guide me. Today, you have a will for my life. You have a plan for my life. And God, your plan is greater than my plan. So Lord, instead of me leading myself blind into the future, God, you lead me. Lead me, O Lord, look at this, in thy righteousness. David understands because he's been on the under the conviction of God. He has no righteousness in, his, in and of himself. But God's righteousness that is imputed to him, that is conferred to him, David can live in that. And so God, in light of what you've bestowed upon me because you're merciful, God, you lead me. And friend, what a prayer. What a prayer to pray when we've, we've been betrayed, when we've been hurt, when we're We lost the job when the the teenager's gone astray, when finances are not great, when life's not fantastic, when we're hurt beyond measure, when we're sick and and the, the doctor gave a bad report, whatever it might be. What a good prayer to pray. God, instead of me walking through this valley alone, God, you lead me. God, you guide me not to my will, but God, you guide me to your will, to thy righteousness, David David said. And so David understood, God, when I get close to you, you're leading me to a place that's better than I could lead myself. And what truth there. God's going to lead you through the storm, through the valley, through the trial, to a place that you could never imagine. Because his leading is far better than our leading. Then verse 9, we are, we spoke about this verse earlier. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. And so you can see, you see people like this all the time. There's no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inner being is very wicked. That's who they're consumed with wickedness. And then it says their throat is an open sepulcher. Sepulcher was a grave. And so what he's saying is the words that they speak, it's like spewing death. They flatter with their tongue. They lie. They speak leasing. And so you know people like that. And a lot of times that's the people that persecute and mock and hate on Christians. And that's their life. Their mouth is that open sepulcher. But what we've got to understand 
is what David understood here. We should not seek vengeance in those situations because God is the one that is the avenger. God is the ultimate judge at the end of the day. So verse 10, he will destroy. He will do what only he can do, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out of the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against thee. So what David is saying here as he concludes is, God, you're the judge. God, so instead of me seeking to get revenge with my enemy, I'm just going to say you handle them. I've prayed for them to be saved. I've prayed for them to repent. And if that is the, that, that's what happens, praise the Lord. But Lord, if you have to be judge in their life, that's okay. God, you act as a sovereign and a just and a righteous God in that situation. And David says in verse 11, But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. I love verse 11, because there's probably times in your life, like there has been in mine, where you feel alone, where you feel like no one is on your team, no one is fighting for you, no one is speaking up for you. And it feels like those who whose mouth is an open sepulcher, they're speaking hate and leasing and slander and guile towards you, and you just feel so betrayed and so alone. But verse 11 speaks hope into that situation. But let all those who have put their trust in thee. So if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, this verse says, rejoice. It doesn't matter how the world sees you. doesn't matter how your neighbors see you. It doesn't matter if they speak against you every single day. If your faith is in Jesus, your trust is in him, rejoice. Let them who have trusted in him shout for joy. Listen to this, because thou, he's talking to God here, you defend them. God is the one that will defend us. God is the one that will take care of us. God is the one that will help us. So in our season of difficulty, in our season of feeling betrayed, feeling hurt, feeling alone, let God be the one that defends you. Never take matters into your own hands. Let God handle it. Let God be the avenger. Let God be the one that defends. And it says, let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. So what he's saying here, in the midst of this crazy, crazy situation, God, I still find joy in you. God, I still find hope in you. Yes, I'm hurt. I'm betrayed. I feel alone, whatever it is. But God, because of you, because of my salvation in you and your son Jesus, I find joy in you. Then he says, For thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous with that with favor, wilt thou compass them with a shield. So again, he will be a shield. He will be a defender. He will be one that takes care of you. So here's the encouragement. If you take time in your morning to spend a long time with God, you've sought his face first thing of a day. You've prayed to him, given him your life and said, God, your will be done. You've prayed like verse eight, Lord, you lead me. God, you guide me. God, I'm going to worship you like verse seven. God, and then in that you lead me to yourself. You'll find yourself in verse 11. Lord, because of you, I'm rejoicing. Yesterday, this situation was awful. I saw no end from the beginning, and I still don't. But God, I'm rejoicing. You're defending me in this situation. In my sickness, you're defending me. You're my shield. In my heartache, you're defending me. You're my shield. And so, brother or sister in Christ, you claim the promises of Psalm chapter 5. That if you know Jesus, you can rejoice. He's got this. 
He's got this in the palm of his hand. He's not worried. He's not fretting. He's defending you, and he's your shield. Hope Psalm 5 was an encouragement. I'm looking forward to Psalm 6. As always, have a great Friday, and God bless. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the I Am Persuaded podcast, please consider subscribing and share with your friends. We pray this is a blessing in your life. God bless.